Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. My name is Paul Garcia and I am your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by my colleagues Benjamin Bornstein and Colin Rudy. This episode will be a continuation of our Spurs Twitter questions sent a few weeks back. So, uh, welcome guys. Uh, let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, ben, how are you doing today? I am great, sir. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, Colin, how are you doing? I am, I'm doing great. Just, just hanging out during this time, sheltering at home, but, but doing well. Good, good, good to hear that everybody's doing well. Um, okay, guys, so we're finally almost at the end of this journey. You know, a few weeks back, I had asked uh, um, people that follow me on Twitter to send me some questions, and there was a lot of questions sent, uh, sent enough to where that we've actually had to split this into three different episodes because there's so many questions. So we're finally toward the end here. We're at our, la- our final three questions from Twitter, so we're going to go ahead and answer those. And then at the end of the at the episode, uh, you all asked you all to send us uh, product first staff, and and so you guys have provided some questions. We're going to go through too. Okay, so let's begin with our first question. It's a little bit negative here, but you know the fans want it, so let's go ahead and discuss. Uh, question number one is the lackluster team performance this season due to bad coaching or poor player performance um colin i'll give you the, the first uh, answer there right so i think you know a lot of people had questions about the rotation and kind of what was going on with that uh more than anything though you know maybe sometimes the rotations were spotty sometimes maybe players played worse than we expected them to play but i think that at the end of the day Really what it was was the roster, which I think has overperformed for the past two years, partially because of really good coaching. Um, I think when you look at this roster, you could see all of the problems that ended up happening being there. Um, you know, I was listening to a podcast before the season uh, by Ben Taylor and Danny LaRue, and they were talking about candidates they thought would get better or worse throughout the season. And so I did that exercise with the Spurs, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, who's going to get better or worse this season? And I realized there was a lot of players who were on like that older downward decline of their career. And I was like, oh, no, like this could be a problem if if the wrong players take a step back at the wrong time. And I don't think any players took like a crazy unexpected step back. I just think it was that time has gone on and players are getting older. And and DeJounte is coming back from an injury that takes a long time to come back from. And what's kind of unfortunate is right before everything stopped we saw several good games of him in a row where it's like okay he's really getting back into form and you can tell he's feeling comfortable and he's really all the way back from that injury but um unfortunately the season stopped when it did and uh yeah i, I think it's more a roster than anything to be honest okay uh ben your, your answer for that question i i really like colin's answer can i steal it um <laughs> i i love that uh you thought to do kind of that 
you know, thinking through the roster at the beginning of the year, you know, kind of who's due for a down season. And, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the season, you do look at it. And like Colin said, there are some over 30 guys or guys who are approaching that plateau and then decline age. And it showed. And I think LaMarcus Aldridge took a step back a bit this year at times. And a lot of that was injuries. He didn't play as many games as he probably wanted to. I think uh, DeMar DeRozan did a lot of really nice things, but I think there were aspects of his game where he took a step back because he was asked to do a lot more than he should have been. And part of that was DeJounte Murray trying to get his feet back under him. Part of that was the rotations and certain guys not getting the minutes at point guard that they need or not getting mm-hmm. the shooting guard that they need. And really, I thought a lot of it was Bryn Forbes got way too many minutes in the rotation this year. I, I mean, and, and, you know, you can point to, there's probably a handful of games, there's probably 10 or 15 games where you're saying, well, if Bryn Forbes doesn't play in that game or, or if he's not playing as many minutes that game, you know, the Spurs aren't in it like they were, they don't win the game. And yeah, I get that. But there were a couple of times, well, more than a couple of times, I would argue there were probably the same amount of games where you look at that game and you're watching it and you say, wow, Bryn Forbes being in for as long as he was cost the Spurs that game. And so that is players up and down players were up and down because the roster was inconsistent or or the rotation rather the rotation was inconsistent, like Colin mentioned. So I think that was really you know, it was kind of cyclical or it was kind of uh you know, one thing leads to another and it's a big circle and it keeps happening, you know. Um I'm unhappy because I'm fat. I eat because I'm unhappy and I'm unhappy because I eat, you know, the Austin Powers thing. But um, it was like that with with the Spurs this year where it was, you know, Lonnie Walker has a game where he goes off and he has a great game and he's playing 20 plus minutes. And then the next game he comes back and only plays five minutes and you wonder what just happened. And then there are games where Bryn Forbes will have a great game and he'll, you know, he'll play 20 plus minutes or however many it is. And then he'll say, and he'll have a great game. And then the next game, he only comes back and he's only playing 10 minutes. And you're wondering, you know, where is the reward in this rotation system? Uh, okay, so my, my answers are kind of like a mixture of both of y'all's. Um, I, I would as well put the majority of this um, responsibility on the players because they're the ones who are actually out there playing the game. So I'd say if I had to divide it into percentage, I'd say like 20 or 30% coaching and then the rest of it is players, uh, player performance. Um, ben, you kind of talked about one of the one of the main issues that I had this whole year was the fact that Bryn Forbes was playing a lot of minutes or just different lineups that weren't um, just defensive-focused type lineups. I mean, like if you look at cleaning the glasses possessions data – DeJounte Murray and Bryn Forrest played 2,092 total possessions together uh, this season so far, you know, as of where it ended. And Derek White and DeJounte only played 190, 198 possessions. Ooh. Think about that. 800 less, I mean, uh, 1,800 1, less possessions for, for um, you know, two of your, what you, what you would call your better defender, your, your better defensive players. And so... You know, and we don't know if it would have worked with DeJounte and Derek, you know, had they had they played together. I know that from the, from the small sample of evidence that we have, it is a bad number. It's a minus 12.7 points per 100. The, the, the data with Bryn is at a minus eight. But again, they only played, that's that's less than 200 possessions they, that they were on the court together. And it's not just about uh, Bryn, you know, I, I know that he takes all the blame, but also just having lineups. There was several lineups at, at the time when there was DeRozan and Bryn, there was um, DeRozan and Bellinelli, Bryn and Bellinelli. It's just the fact that, like, you weren't putting forth uh, the, the, the the rotations just weren't sound, especially just to try to try to do the best you could defensively. And I remember at one time, um, uh, one of the one of the experts, these reporters, I believe, 
it was uh, asked Coach Pop, you know, the question of like, you know, if you have, have you ever been tried like just putting multiple good, like the, your best defenders on the court? And, and I forgot the answer, but he basically, he basically, it basically sounded like they weren't going to try that. And they obviously never did, um, you know, for, for a good um, sample size. And I think that's, that's their main issue is the fact that they were 24th defensively as of where the years uh, ended, according to cleaning the glass. Um, offensively, you know, we saw that that offense, that system uh, took a turn this, this past year where it, it finished off at 11th uh, as, as of the time that the season ended so far. And, and and that's more on the player personnel part. The fact, you know, Coach Pop can't force DeJounte, I mean, not DeJounte, uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan to take threes and, you know, and, and LaMarcus Aldridge to stop taking mid-range, even though he did go to the three-point line. Uh, you know, he can't force DeJounte to only take threes. You know, he's barely developing his jumper. So a lot of that the, that part on offense, I, I do I, I do say that's more so the players, the fact that they were 30th in getting to the rim, 28th in three-point attempts, and then they were first in mid-range. And we know that in 2020, that just, that offense does not work uh, in the NBA. So, see, so yeah, I say that the majority of it would probably have to be um, on the players and just like Colin mentioned, you know, that the roster that they put together, it, it was, uh, you know, we saw that la- last year, um, it, it, they barely got in without, without DeJounte uh, uh, there in the seventh seed when they played uh, Denver and took him to seven games. So, you know, it, it is what it is. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't think that the season will come back. So we'll, we'll go and see what happens um, for, from here on out. All right, let's go to our second question that the fans asked. Uh, it was how can they turn around this? How can they turn this around next season? What should the Spurs' uh, very first step come come the off season? Should, what should be the Spurs' very first step come the off season? Ben, you go ahead and take that one first. Get people in the gym shooting threes. I mean, you can you can say it's the players all you want, but you also have to come up with a game plan that allows your players to shoot those threes. And I think a lot of it's going to be dependent on do. You know, do the Spurs keep DeMar DeRozan around or does more accurately, does DeMar DeRozan opt in for the last year of his contract? If he doesn't, it gives the Spurs the opportunity to go out and find someone in free agency, albeit really just a stopgap player because they're not going to have a lot of salary cap space until next summer when yes. more contracts are freed up. But, you know, you I think you have to really start playing – they have to start playing the style of basketball that is not from 1999. I mean, you, there's nothing wrong with getting into the mid-range and shooting mid-range every now and then. You need, you need that mid-range to open up other parts of the game. I understand that. I get it. But you can't rely almost exclusively on it. Like you said, it was, it was 30th in the league in, in, uh, or it was 28th in the league in three-point attempts. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, uh, shift frequency is shot from three. And a team third. that wants to compete in the NBA and get to a playoff, you can't be 28th in the league. And still have to do the cost-benefit analysis there, and you have to say, well, if we're hitting at such a high rate, why don't we take more? And yes, your your shooting percentage is probably going to take a bit of a dip, a dip or a dive if you're shooting way more threes. But at the same time, you have to take that risk because really, as long as you're hitting somewhere in the range of 34 to 38% from three as a team, I think the biggest thing for the Spurs this offseason is you know, give more guys the green light and find guys who are going to be able to shoot the three and really find guys who are willing to defend. Because there comes a time when DeMar DeRozan has just decided, I'm doing everything on offense, but I really don't care to do anything on defense. And 
a little bit of that is with LaMarcus Aldridge as well. He says, you know, I'll bang with the bigger guys who don't really require too much defense. You know, I'll guard a Rudy Gobert who is limited offensively. But other than that, I'm not really moving my feet with other big men who are fast. Okay. Uh, Colin, what's your answer to that, respo- to that uh, question? Yeah, it's tough because I don't know what turn this around actually means. So if we're looking at the teams that are in the playoffs picture for the West right now, we have the Lakers. They're not going to drop out next year unless there's an injury. Clippers aren't either. The Nuggets aren't either. The Jazz probably won't. The Rockets won't. The Mavs won't. The Thunder may. The Grizz and the Pelicans are on the way up. The Warriors are going to be back in there. Portland, if they have a healthier season, are probably going to be right there in the mix. And the Suns and Kings, they were frisky this year. They might be just one step or one development away from fighting for the playoffs. And the Timberwolves have a player like Towns. They could always be in there. Well, I just named 14 teams, and the Spurs makes 15. So you could argue for any team in the West to make the playoffs. Like, the playoffs are going to be so competitive in the West next year. And for the Spurs to just try to make the 8th seed again, or the 7th seed again, just to you know, lose to the Lakers or Clippers in the first round, I don't think sounds all that appealing. So to me, like turning this around is maybe like having a conversation with uh, DeMar and LaMarcus and saying like, hey, we're going to go to a youth movement. We're going to rebuild. You know, if you like it here, you're welcome to stay. We are going to give the ball more to the young guys. But if y'all want to be moved to a place where y'all are going to get more time and y'all are going to be utilized better at the end of y'all's career, we're happy to accommodate y'all. And then start rolling out the youth lineups more or if you keep LaMarcus or DeMar both, you know, still have it be more centered around the young guys and develop. I think that's the best next step. And I think that's turning it around and that might not get them in the playoffs next year, but I think it has the best scenario for like four or five years down the road in terms of how the team will look. Uh, So for me, I I think, I think it's time to take a step back and maybe rebuild a little bit for uh, the sake of the long-term future. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I, I took the question as like trying to get it back in the playoffs, which I, I don't quite agree with. That. I, I'm, I'm kind of like you, Colin. Where I think that the best approach is to kind of just go to a, a more focused um, uh, um, decision on, on building up your youth. But I think that for this question, they're asking, I guess, to get them back in the playoff picture. And so I guess the only way to do that, I would say, is just break up the two stars. Um, you know, we've seen that it doesn't work. I would like to see what a lot of those young guys uh, built around LaMarcus Aldridge looks like because Aldridge, like I said, he's playing he's playing more of the modern version of basketball where he's um, he's going out to three-point lines, spacing up for you. Still, still takes some mid-range, but again, he can also get you some buckets in the low post. I think that's a little bit more adaptable and maybe seeing, you know, that way you're giving the, the, the ball more, more times in pick and roll to like DeJounte Murray, to Derek White, to Lonnie Walker, those young players and seeing what they really, really have. Um, and, and so obviously that would that would, that would have to be with either um, letting De- DeRozan walk in for agency or trying to um, – Either trade him or do a sign and trade if he wants to to go through that route. So I because I, like I just I, I just don't think that with a, a, a group built around DeRozan and Aldridge is not going to work anymore. We can tell based on this data from this year that it's just not going to get you into the playoffs. Um, kind of going back to our, our previous answers, playing more defensive first players. Kind of what we mentioned earlier, playing a lot of the guys who have more upside defensively, even if your your offense takes a bit of a hit. Um, and then maybe even like I said, change it by trading by, by moving one of those players, the two stars. You are going to affect the um, have an impact on on the um, offensive philosophy because you're going to be losing one of those mid range uh, go to players. So so you will uh, ha- there will be an impact there where, where maybe threes are taken or maybe attempts at the rim get get um, get get improved. Uh, and then you know you just got to try your best to get to, to defensively tenth or fifteenth if you want to try to get into playoffs. But I agree with Colin. I mean I just think that the that the road with this group that they have right now is really tough, and I don't think that there's a signing and free agency with the MLE that's really going to boost that, uh, make them jump over all those teams that Colin was mentioning there and also kind of what, 
what Ben was saying. So, so yeah, so I mean, I, I, for that answer, that's kind of how the best that I can answer it. But again, I just think that they should look forward to, to giving the young guys the keys next year. Uh, question number three from the fans um, on Twitter was, suggestion really, uh, give us your top 10, give us your guys' top 10 players of all time, um, top 10 power forwards and onwards. Um, so uh, I don't know who wants to start with this. I didn't actually, I, I kind of cheated here. I didn't ever really get a full top 10, but I'll, 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 I'll explain my answer when I get to mine. Um, let's go ahead and start with Colin here. However you want to address this question. Okay, so I'm changing the rules a little bit. I'm sorry to whoever asked the question, but you know, if I talked about best 10 players of all time, all I'm going to be doing is regurgitating what someone else said. So yeah. a little confession I've only really, really, really been watching basketball since 2012. So this is the best players, the top 10 players in the NBA since 2012, um, which unfortunately means no big three Spurs because they were all post-prime or retired for most of this. So number one best player since 2012, I'm going to go with Boris Diaw. Just kidding. Um, LeBron James is definitely number one. I had a really hard time with number two and number three. Uh, oh man, I really wanted to put Steph two, but I feel like I have to go KD two, and then I had Steph three, Kawhi four, Harden five, Westbrook, Giannis. I wanted to put Giannis way higher, but he's just been doing it for such a shorter time compared to those other guys. Then eight, I had CP three, and then nine and ten was so hard because there were so many candidates. But I ended up uh, rounding it out with AD and Lillard. So that was the best ten players in the past eight years, which was a really funny, uh, fun experiment. But uh. If you ask me to give you your best 10 players, it would just be someone else's list. So, Yeah, okay. My, mine's kind of close to, like, it's a similar in a way that I, that I, I really crunched mine down as well. Uh, ben, go ahead and take that, your answer for that question. So I don't have a 10. Uh, I don't have enough time to get into top 10 of each position, but I have kind of my top 10 team of guys I would love to play, play with. Or- John Stockton. This is no particular order. It's Bill Russell, John Stockton, Tim Duncan, Hakeem Olajuwon. That's four. I have to keep track. I can't bad with math. Um, David Robinson. Oh, hold on. I have my list right here. Here we go. And um, Kareem, Larry Bird. Larry's my guy. I think that's six. Um, Dr. J, I love watching his highlights. I will go and watch his highlights all day, every day. Uh, Scotty Pippen, one of the most selfless dudes and, frankly, underappreciated guys. And I know that's been a lot of people saying that because of the Last Dance documentary going on. But I think we're going to find that he's even more underappreciated after all of this. Uh, Shaq, because you need you need a lighthearted guy in the locker room to keep things uh, keep things light. And frankly, he was just so dominant. I would love to watch him just beat the absolute bejesus out of Sean Bradley every single night if I could, because that is never not hilarious to me. And then, um, even though he broke my heart in 2013, Ray Allen. Oh, yes. He's on my list of players. um, Okay, so yeah, like you guys, you know, I didn't, it's just... My, my basketball knowledge as well does not go back that far in time. Um, I'd say like the early 2000s when I really, I'd say that, you know, obviously, you know, in the 90s, I, I watched basketball as a kid and, you know, I was paying attention to it, but I wasn't like, you know, understanding it at the level that 
where, where the fact that, like I was reading newspaper articles on it or I was actually looking at box scores. Like I didn't start doing that stuff to the early 2000s um, when, when, you know, newspaper come out after a game and then I actually read the article or the recap and then look at the box scores and stuff like that. And then later on, obviously getting into more stats based. So a lot, like, so like you guys, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my, my knowledge there does not go back that far when I really did watch these players or understand exactly what they were doing, how, how good they were uh, in their primes. Um, so, uh, so just for the top ten players uh, of all time that I can just think of, I just wrote down ten players, and this is no one in no order because I don't want to, you know, have Kobe fans going after LeBron fans or you know that, that kind of stuff, uh, Jordan fans. So I would just say you know, Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, LeBron James is in there, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, Magic uh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, uh, Shaq, and then and then the last one I had trouble with. I put Will Chamberlain. I just you know again I didn't watch a lot of Will Chamberlain, so it's just kind of looking up stats and just looking up different things. So. That's kind of if I could put 10 players. Now, I did have two players that I would say that who are two players that I actually like for, from when I was just playing basketball a lot uh, that, that have really, really influenced the way I play my game and, and, and play basketball, should I say. And, and also, like, it just really influenced me. Like, I just stay up hours watching these players' uh, videos and, and just trying to see if I could get my shot down like theirs. And there's two players. I first went through, like, a one-on-one um, Kobe phase where, like, I wanted to play like Kobe, kind of doing fadeaway jumpers all the time and just studying all his game film and constantly, constantly watching. That was early on in college, and I was watching a lot of Kobe film. And then the second player is the one that Ben mentioned, Ray Allen, just because that's that's where my, my – whenever I play basketball, you know, I like to shoot more threes and just be more of a spacer kind of person. And so Ray Allen is that is that player for me where i just constantly watching his videos. I remember – um, in the finals, when the, when the um, Heat were coming to San Antonio, and I, I go the, the one player I'd always go out and watch before in warmups is Ray Allen. And I saw some videos from the, from the from those years in the finals, and just watching his form, the, every single drill that he did just to get started. You know, I'd, I'd obviously watch on YouTube in the past uh, when he was like with the, with the Sonics and other teams. So Ray Allen's been a huge uh, influence on me in terms of how I play basketball. And he's and even though obviously you know Spurs fans don't like him because of what he did in 2013, uh, he's a he's a huge influence on me. So yeah. That's kind of where my answer is at, at on that question as well. Um, well. So we all kind of changed that, modified that question, or um, changed it up a little bit. All right, guys. So, so now, so we finally completed the uh, the Spurs Twitter questions. So again, thank you all for those of you that sent me those questions over the last few weeks. Uh, and you know, we compiled them again. If you want to listen to the old answers, go back to the the uh, uh, episode one, and then episode two, and then this will be episode three. Uh, now we're going to finish up this episode by going through two of our questions from our staff. Um, the first question one of our one of our writers put is, uh, "What's been the biggest disconnect?" between fans' opinion on who the Spurs should take and people making mock drafts. Okay, so I, I do want to say before I, I hand this off to, for the first answer, um, you know, I, I kind of see where this person's coming from because, you know, Draft Express, I checked their latest mocks on, on um, April 8th. They have the Spurs with the 12th pick taking Tyrese Maxey, who's about 6'3", 6'1", 6'1", to 6'3", is what, what they have as his height. So you're right, you know, that's a point guard slash shooting guard from Kentucky. Um, and then even like the ringer, uh, on their latest um, mock on, on April 15th, I believe that is, uh, they had Cole Anthony with the 12th pick um, at 6'3 player. And then, you know, Obi Topin is at 11. So if the Spurs got 11, they would have him at 6'9. So he's a bigger player. So, um, uh, Ben, I'll, I'll let you go to take this question first. So that was my question for the record. Um, but <laughs> okay. the, the few mocks that I've seen have had RJ Hampton at 11, who is a 6'5 guard. Mm-hmm. So all basically all of these have all these mock drafts have guards have the Spurs taking guards which I think is ridiculous because they have enough guards even even if DeMar DeRozan leaves this summer they have enough guys in the bank that they can they'll be fine and if and if really they're going to go for the full rebuild they're even more fine because then you have an excuse to bring up Keldon Johnson and let him play a ton of minutes so for me 
they need to they need to seriously address an issue with their forwards going into the future. Even if we're assuming Lucas Simonich is the guy who's going to come up and be good, because it looks like at this point Chemezi Metu is not going to be that guy. He's he's had opportunities to come up, and for whatever reason, the the staff just hasn't brought him up as much as I think they should have and given him a good serious look. So you have to consider that with the fact that Aldridge will be out of town at some, you know, in the near future, you have to Mm -hmm. replace him and you have to bring in someone who's going to play defense. Who's a versatile defender. And a guy like Obi Toppin is perfect at 11. If he falls there, that's the other problem. I've seen plenty of mock drafts where he does not fall to them. He, He gets drafted in like the first eight picks, which is a super bummer. That's, this is the thing that keeps me up at night. fans feel like the Spurs don't need but for whatever reason everybody who's making mock drafts thinks the Spurs need guards and so I don't I don't understand why there's such a disconnect between people who watch the team and then people who just decide I'm making this mock draft not every you know not all mock drafts are made with team considerations in mind or really their history of drafting in mind because a lot of people will just say, Oh, well the Spurs will take best available rather than, well, Spurs might actually just take the best fit or they'll take a position of need. And in this draft, really only the top five players you can afford to say, we're going to take best available. After that, it's really go get the guy who grades out for you at that position that you need. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Colin, what's your answer to that question? Yeah, so, you know, I don't think, and I'm, I'm in lockstep agreement with the Spurs front office here. You can't have enough 6'5 guards, and I think they should just go all in on 6'5 guards. And Just kidding. Uh, they already have like eight of them. So, uh, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, uh, a big man is definitely, especially for exactly the reasons Ben said of like, we don't know where Aldridge is going to be. And, you know, the Spurs will probably try to keep Perto, but who knows what's going to happen with, with that. Um, their big man rotation uh, is probably the less certain of a lot of their rotations going forward. Um, and I also think, and, and I know there really aren't projected to be any like super duper stars in this draft, especially available where the Spurs will be picking, but it seems like wing is the most important position in today's NBA. So, yeah. I mean, really wing or big, I'm, I would be pretty happy with either. Another guard would be a, an interesting choice, I think. Yeah, and, and one thing I will say is like on for something that Draft Express did this year that they they haven't done in the past that I've seen is they um you know they put the the best player that they want to you know that, or they're that they mocked the Spurs to take but they had a, they added a new little feature where it says a best fit and they actually put Isaac Okoro there so so that according to and, and Ben is he more of a, he's a what, what would what would Okoro do I know you mentioned him before he's kind of a two or three he's six six but he's very solidly built he's like mm-hmm. six six two twenty. He's a freshman. He's very strong. He can he can play defense at the NBA level, but his his offense is behind him right now. It's that's the part of him that has to catch up. Okay, yeah. So so they did add that where they put a best fit um, on there as well. So you know we'll see again. Like I think like what Ben said, uh, where the these uh, these mocks are just kind of looking at best available um, next player on the board that's that's up regardless of position. Uh, whereas you know I, I agree with you guys. I think the Spurs need a, need a bigger wing like six seven to six nine range or a, a big um some somebody else you know for the future all right let's go to our last question from one of our, our staff members it is uh 
What is the median or most likely outcome for a core of DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker IV, and Jakob Pertl on defense once the incumbent stars are gone? Uh, top 10 in the league, top five, you know, basically, you know, what, what is their, their defense potential down the road once, um, once these younger guys are your core um, part of the team? Um, Colin, go ahead and take that answer first. So it feels ambitious to say, especially since a lot of these players aren't in their prime yet, it feels ambitious to say top five. But I was trying to sit there and think, like, what if, if all these players were playing at once? Like, what's their big def- or uh, weakness on defense? And really, they don't have a lot. Um, they could play with Pearl, the drop style that the um, that the Bucks play, that to much mm-hmm. success. I think their one problem would be a big and strong wing, which heads up is like every team's problem in the NBA. Like Kawhi <laughs> and LeBron is just going to run like strong offense against any team, um, but during the regular season, they're not going to be playing teams with a player like that a lot of the times. And even when they are, those players aren't going to be using the offensive possessions every time either. So it's just, it's very hard because it's like, man, this, this offensive or this defensive group doesn't look like it has a ton of weaknesses. So I'm going to say top 10 to be safe because it's hard to project a bunch of people that are in their prime to be top five. But I definitely think like, like if this is the Spurs core for the next six or seven years, they would be like, right around top five, like above or be below it uh, for that whole time. Okay. Uh, ben, what's your answer for this question? I think median or, you know, their, their most likely outcome is definitely somewhere in the top 10 in this league. It's just like Colin said, you know, where, where is your biggest weakness? Yeah. It's probably at if, if one of these guys has to guard a big, strong forward. Yeah. That's where you're going to get killed, but that's, Really, the issue, and like he also said, that's really the issue with a lot of other teams where other teams struggle. So it's it really comes down to: Do you have the right people helping you? Do you have quick enough and smart enough athletes to and players to cover that space that you're inevitably going to lose off off this forward who's either blowing by someone or they're you know they're muscling their way past someone else. You know, is Pirtle quick enough to recognize it, step up? and deter the shot or block it or whatever it may be. And I think the answer right now is yeah. Yes. Honestly, probably the closest one being there right now. So I don't think top 10 is out of the question. And I think at the very worst, they're in the middle of the league. So Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, that's a pretty good core for you right now. And, I think what it's going to come down to is finding a couple other specialists because you, it's not even only about the defense. A lot of you you can be playing great breaks down you if you don't have an offense that will help you out either. It's almost it's almost like that argument in football. You know, like oh that team's not a good defensive team because you know their offense turns the ball over a lot. The other team has short fields and so they gets the defense gets scored on even though it's not really their fault. So there's, I think there's a little bit of offense that has to be considered there too, where, you know, there's not going to be a lot of turnovers. There's not going to be a lot of uh, fast break points and opportunities. So I think that's going to be a key factor in how the defense looks for this, for this core. Okay. So I, I'd agree with both y'all. I think that, you know, just, just with these players, this is really how, how a core group is built. I really think that they can easily just be 11th or 15th in that, in that range. Uh, I think to get to a top 10 or even top five level, they do need a, 
there, there's two models. You know, there's the model like you guys mentioned of having those elite defensive players, and right now they don't have that on their team. You know, they don't have like you think of Milwaukee, like a player like Giannis, or the Clippers, a player like Kawhi, um, Toronto player like like Pascal Siakam, um, et cetera. You know, Philly, Ben Simmons, and Joel B. They don't have that elite player yet um, on their team. Uh, you know, Dejounte can be really good, but again, it's, it's at the one. Uh, so I think that definitely 11th through 15th range. But there's teams in there. I was looking at the, at the top 10 right now, currently, and there's teams in there who don't have that that dominant, dominant defensive player. Um, they have good defensive players and, and, and a system that's really good with, with good athletes. Um, and so there, there's a there's that ability for the Spurs to get into the top 10 with this type of group uh, there. So I, I still think though that you know in, down the road um, into the future, you know they they got to get that position that you guys mentioned, the player that that, that everybody's coveting, which is a, that six eight to like six ten type of wing. Uh, who, who can guard Kawhi, who can guard LeBron, uh, those kind of players, um, you know, Kevin Durant, um, et cetera. So, so yeah, so I think that there, there's, there's, there's a bright spot for, for this group, you know, defensively. Uh, in, in the future, you know, again, how long will that be? You know, it obviously depends on what, 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 the, what the question said is how long, you know, are the, are the, are the core players like, like DeRozan, Alder, Trudy Gay, those kind of players going to be on the roster? How long are they going to be um, with the team? So, um, okay, so we'll basically, uh, before we end this episode, I, I do want to remind you all to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Um, here's the latest on the site. We have Ben um, with another Prospect Watch. And, uh, Ben, did you want to say anything? I know you mentioned R.G. Hampton earlier. Did you want to say anything about your article that came out this week? Yeah, so this this week is R.J. Hampton. Um, I'm actually going to write I'm going to write up an article next week about, you know, why he's actually not, I, why I don't think he's the right pick at 11 for the Spurs where a lot of mock drafts have him going. So we're going to, um, I'm, I'm going to explore that. I talked about RJ Hampton this, this week, you know, what, what's good, what's not good, what he's got to work on, what, what he could contribute immediately. So I think, uh, you know, if, if you're still ramping up for draft season, check it out. And but I had this question, this is kind of off topic, but um, since you've covered the, you, you follow the draft so closely, has there been any word yet if, if it's looking like 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 we're going to continue to have it in June, or is it looking like it's going to be something where it comes later on in the fall? What have you heard about the draft? The only thing I, I've heard them talking about moving it back. Yeah. If there's, and that's if there's going to be. Well, I think they're going to move it back regardless. But last thing I heard was something about moving it to May, if if they can continue the season and actually finish it. Other than that, I really don't know. Uh, I, I don't know when they would start it, when they would do it, and I think if they do it, there's going to be there's either there's there's likely to be no summer league, or if there is a summer league, it's heavily truncated, and so you're going to have to get a lot of a lot of uh, games in very quickly. So I'm not really sure how they do that. Even if they go to Vegas and they have the two venues, you know, they may need to find another one. So I, I'm curious to see how that all works out. But I, yeah, I think the draft. Well, and one more thing that I actually heard on the uh, the Duncan and Hollinger show they were talking about is the transaction piece of this. Because so many teams make uh-huh. trades. And you mm-hmm. can't make trades until after the season is over, after the trade deadline. So right. if it was going to be in June... It would have to be because the season is canceled. Uh, just because you can't trade players that are going to be on playoff rosters for draft picks, that would be pretty wild. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be either after the season is over if they decide to keep it, or if, if it is going to be in June, it's because they canceled the season. 
Okay. Yeah. So I'm glad you guys clarified that a little bit because because that's kind of where where I'm um you know I'm a little I see a lot of the basketball you know mock draft people and stuff like that they're getting into this the draft as if it's approaching here in June or you know like like the lottery's coming up in May, but again like we don't know exactly what's going to happen and like and like you know how, I don't know how they're making these moves and you know I watched a, a Commissioner Silver had a, had a had a press briefing with the press I think it was last week and um and he basically said that they they really had there's no like he doesn't want to put it in stone anything yet as far as what's going to happen with the league, you know, what the next decisions are. So that's why I'm kind of like curious because for me, I'm still taking it very like basketball and even like transitions draft. It's still going to be in the fall, in my opinion, or even like maybe you get the playoffs in the summer, July at best. And then, you know, they start all this stuff in August or September. Um, That's kind of where I keep seeing it. Um, But I don't know, you know, again, like we just haven't got any clarity, but I I do, like I said, the reason why I would ask you guys this is because again, I've seen that the, so a lot of the basketball writers are actually continuing to go into that, 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 that mode of like, oh, Jeff's coming up soon and, you know, next month or the month after. So that's why I'm kind of curious if you guys have seen anything or heard anything um, elsewhere, uh, just because, you know, it's so much up in the air. And so, you know, if, if it is coming fast, it's going to be a June and I need to get, you know, more on the ball and be more aggressive in terms of uh, starting to, you know, research picks and stuff like that. I mean, prospects and stuff. So so we'll see. Obviously, we don't, we don't know what happened, what's going to happen. You know, it's, it's obviously a, a week-to-week basis in terms of where this is headed. Um, thank you guys for joining me on, on, on this first cast, episode 576. Um, as always, before we end this episode, I want to send out a thank you to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode for us. Um, so from our whole team over at Project Spurs, um, we want you all to stay safe and take care. Thank you. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.